Welcome to The Twelfth Story, a book discussion podcast produced by Cincinnati's Mercantile Library, where readers gather to engage, connect, debate, and discuss. The Mercantile Library is 180 years old and is the literary center of Cincinnati. Throughout the year, the Mercantile Library hosts authors and speakers, book discussion groups, and other civic events. We are a working library with more than 75,000 books available to members. We're located at 414 Walnut Street in downtown Cincinnati and online at www.mercantillibrary.com. And we always welcome new members and guests. Joining us today in the reading room on the 12th story of the Mercantile Library building are Abby Moran, board member and community leader. Hello. Paula Boggs-Muthing, city solicitor and frequent Mercantile Library visitor. Hi. And I'm Brendan Cole, a Mercantile Library uh, uh, member of the board as well. Today we'll discuss Purity by Jonathan Franzen. And a warning, there will be spoilers discussed today, so proceed at your own discretion. As a quick background, Purity is Franzen's latest novel after the wildly successful Corrections and then followed by Freedom. His books sell, and they also attract a wild number of think pieces about the significance of his characters, their gender roles, and society. We'll hopefully get into some of that today during the podcast. The main character of the book is Pip, short for Purity. She's a recent college grad raised by her single mom with no money to pay for her student loans. We meet Pip's mom, Annabelle, early on, and she's an important character in the novel. Pip goes off to work for a WikiLeaks-type organization called the Sunlight Foundation, sort of as an intern, but really as a way to track down her supposedly, or hopefully, rich dad. Uh, the Sunlight Project is led by Andreas Wolf, a character that, as it turns out, is connected to the man, eventually learns it's her dad. Uh, there's obviously some dra other drama along the way, including a murder, uh, but let's start with these characters, uh, since that's what everyone likes to talk about. What did you think of Franzen's latest cast of characters? Um, I, I thought the characters were interesting. Um, this was the first Franzen book that I've read, so... Um, you know, it's my first exposure to his writing. Um, I uh, thought that Pip was a good character for this story. Um, I thought that um, her, the weaknesses in her personality um, actually really lent um, themselves to the story's development. Um, and what, what would you say, like, we, tell me more about weaknesses. What, what so I think because she is indecisive, yeah. um, because she's looking for direction, you know, she kind of seizes on to um, this opportunity with the Sunshine Project. And then she's looking for direction once she gets there. And so, she, you know, she's kind of an easy pawn um, for others to, to lead, I think. Um, I think that... Um, you know, I, it's, it's clear that Andreas is kind of um, a very troubled person and Tom seems to be his, um, his, it seems to have the characteristics that he does not have, right? He's kind of like his, his uh, reflection in a way. And Tom ends uh, up being, you find out late in the novel that Tom is Pip's dad. Right. right? And, um, and Tom goes way back with Andreas all the way back to a, a, a part of the novel that takes place in Germany where they, I guess they murder somebody, right? I mean, mm -hmm. they've kind of plan and, uh, and uh, kill, um, was it the boyfriend of well, somebody Tom else? Tom didn't help with the murder. He, he knew? With the disposal of oh, the yeah, right, right. The yeah. moving of the body after the fall of mm -hmm. the wall, right? Yes. Yeah. 
Right, because otherwise he wouldn't have been able to travel freely right, right, between right, 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 right. East and West Germany. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I did think that the, um, the relationship between Andreas and his parents was, you know, that, that was a particularly interesting part of the novel. I think the development of that um, relationship was really, really interesting. And he does this a lot in his other novels, too. I mean, the relationship between a character and the character's parents mm -hmm. is something that Franzen writes a lot. Did you um, enjoy that part of the, the mm -hmm. book? I mean, did you enjoy kind of his interplay between, because there's several different familial relationships going on here. Did you enjoy that? I really enjoyed Andreas and his parents and Tom and his parents. I thought that was really fascinating and how Tom's parents got together. Do you remember um, Clelia, right? Mm -hmm. Clelia. Yes, right. And um, she met uh, Tom's American father when she was, you know, really um, ready to leave home. Right, right. And I liked that. I, <laughs> I, I didn't want to answer your question first, partially because I just... Ugh. I don't want to bog down the podcast right away with my with my negativity, but I just oh no, very good. We love it when someone doesn't like the book. You want to just like <laughs> wade right into the Get right my into negativity, it. but I just found the whole Annabeth Pip relationship just not really totally believable. I mean, I can get into more detail about the the times that I felt like throwing the book across the room that it you know just did not hold up to. It did not hold up to me. Like he's really trying to build an authentic novel, an authentic portrait of people and their relationships, and I just felt like there were multiple points where it just did not feel real. And the Annabeth, the Annabelle Pitt mother-daughter dynamic, I just thought was not not authentic. Really? Yeah, I did not. I and I Same. just I did not want to read any more of that. So please tell me we don't have two more chapters of this. Oh wow. Uh, you know, I I have. I mean, I have feelings along the same lines. I, I thought that the, the Annabelle that we meet um, in the first part of the book when we don't know anything about her, um, I can't even remember what her name is. I don't, they point. don't, he doesn't use a name, which is actually oh, kind of clever. Right. You know, just, okay. it's just her you mother. You mean like her name before you've. Yeah. I don't think that we even right. know her name. Mom. It's just pronouns oh, and right. her right. mother. Her mother. Yeah. Okay. So Pip's her, mother. that's right. So her, I and mean, I And you find out later that she's Annabelle. Yes. Yes. I mean, I think that the difference between that person and then everything you learn about Annabelle from her past is just so unbelievable. Like there's no, um, there's really no explanation for kind of the transformation <laughs> from this, 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 I mean, we'll all say that he calls her a feminist. Um, and who called her a feminist? This is with Jonathan Franzen, oh. like just, you know, this, the author, you know, Annabelle is a feminist, right? In the book, she's a feminist. Um, huh. And, uh, um, an interestingly portrayed feminist. Did you think she was mentally ill? Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I didn't think that she was mentally ill. I thought that. Yeah, she was boring. <laughs> I don't know. Really? Just, the mother? Yeah. Oh, I just, and even when Tom and Annabelle were together, you think like, oh my God, it's just. Every, but I just, thought like she was exhibiting such traits that, that, that would, um, that, that are um, indicative of some sort of mental yes, illness. I yes. mean, she and I, I clearly agree. was, you know, terribly um, 
insecure and OCD, OCD mm-hmm. and, um, and and obviously no laughing matter. He makes it a laughing matter at some point during the book because he kind of devolves some of these stories into kind of. I mean, there's some humorous parts in the book. Right, like her art project where she's trying to capture each inch of her or each centimeter of her body. She's divided it yes. up into... into um, See, I, f- I didn't hate and her. He, I, I didn't hate her because no, I, I mean, thought, I like, once you learned about her life, her parents, her, her rich father and what she came from, and then her interaction with Tom when she met him early on and their relationship that is described in a later chapter that's his... Mm-hmm like his autobiography, I thought was really interesting. And I, I, I felt, I felt, uh, I felt for Tom a little bit. I felt awful mm-hmm. for her too. I mean, they were like clearly this like couple who just preyed on each other's bad behavior and it, like they made each other almost worse, right? I would say that I didn't hate her. I mean, I, I, I have sympathy for her, you know, for her situation and everything. I just felt like Franzen dealt with her way too long, both as Pip's mother and in her relationship with Tom. Like those were, there was points in the novel where it just went on and on and on. Like his, the bad years with Tom were just bad chapters because they were so long. Um, Did you think that she was, that he was trying to make her more the main character of the novel than Pip? I mean, the book's called Purity for Pip, but frankly, she's, if you, if you probably counted words or like Mm -hmm. space in the book, she's probably shares equal billing with a lot of other characters. I think, I mean, I've read both Freedom and The Corrections, and I think this is typical of, of, um, of those books that he kind of shines his spotlight onto, onto characters in turn. You know, he, everybody gets their turn at the spotlight, and sometimes, you know, he loops back and you get another turn. Um, yeah. Rather than, rather than having one dominant character throughout the entire book. And very much in this book, you don't, like, you're not constantly seeing the story through Pip's perspective or through Andreas's perspective or Tom's or anybody. One chapter, like I said, is an autobiography written by Tom that's actually the, that's supposed to be the hard copy of the autobiography, which figures back into the later novel. Mm-hmm. And then other chapters are about Annabelle and Andreas. I kind of liked that. I mean, mm-hmm. I felt like I like that too. He, his style there keeps the reader engaged, and it's not just one long slog through one book. I agree. I think it's a. I think that's a useful tool. Um, the the one thing I'll say is that it. You know, I think that the book is called Purity, not just because of of the character Pip, right? That there's this search for purity in each of these characters yes. and that is that I, I think that is what I found interesting and intriguing in the book is how how each of the characters um, you know really have there's this common thread running through them all not not just that their stories are intertwined but that they all seem to be on a search or a quest yeah. for something um, and so you know I, I would say um, I actually was talking about this book just today and said, you know, I liked this book um, really in spite of myself <laughs> because um, I really I really was put off by, um, you know, what I considered to be uh, misogyny kind of scattered throughout the book. Um, I, I think that he is an interesting writer. So tell me more about that because, I, I mean, I don't think we can do this podcast without talking about Franzen and Franzen's writing and the 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 very fair accusations of misogyny. I mean, one only has to Google the reviews of this book and you will be hard-pressed to find a um, favorable review written by a woman. And so there's obviously something, th- there's a there there. So say some more about maybe what you 
both, I mean, I'm presuming maybe Abby, but what you, especially uh, Paula, what you picked up on here. Um, you know, I, I think that the, all of the relationships between women in this book involve um, jealousy in, in one form or another. Um, that uh, relationships that I think could be uh, mentoring relationships or friend relationships also have this this element of um, of of covetous or jealous behavior, yeah. and I think that that mm. is a pretty um, common characteristic um, that that misogynists <laughs> attribute to women inside of their relationships, um, as if you can't have a relationship with another woman without having this like jealousy, and that you you have jealousy because your um, worth, your self-worth is always in relation to a male, um, to some male character. Huh. I, I think that... I'm thinking the one that comes to mind, I hadn't thought about that at all, the one that comes to mind right away is Tom, who ends up being Pip's dad, and his, he has this girlfriend whose name... No, Layla. Layla. Um, and when Pip first moves in with them, she's immediately jealous of Pip, who turns out to be Tom's daughter, so there's obviously no reason to be. But, but that was, now that I think about that, that was kind of the dominant part of that relationship at first. Right, that's and the right. Girl, the other um, young women that Pip works with mm -hmm. at the Sunlight Foundation, they're just, it seems needlessly nasty. There's not a single woman in that setting who turns out to be a friend to her. So do you think that his, his female characters are, I mean, w w what people have said to me over the course of discussing this book, I mean, this book is, strike that, Franzen is controversial, right? I mean, I was at Joseph Beth buying a book and they had a stack of them and I asked the, the lady behind the counter, I said, have you read this? Or are you gonna buy it? Or are you gonna read it? And she was, eh, he's kind of an asshole. Huh. I mean, and I was like, okay. I mean, that's what people, that's how they come to Franzen, right? But he still sells an incredible amount of books. But the, the, anyway, the, cri the criticism of, of this ends up being that his female characters are flat or they're stereotypical. Did you find them to be stereotypical? I mean, that's, is that what you're, is that what we're getting at here? I think my larger issue with reading him is that he has so much contempt for all of his characters. And I find it um, just... Men too, or what? Yeah, I think he just, I, and especially um, that was especially striking in Freedom. He just, uh, he, there's not a single character by the end of that book that you know you feel like you'd want to spend any time with. And and I've talked to other people who read it who felt the same way. So it's not just my female perspective, but um, I think he, I I think, I mean, it's obvious that he that Franzen has a lot of contempt for various aspects of our society too, our modern American habits and. Lots and I mean, he likes Tom, I guess, in this book. Do you think Tom is like, like is he right? Is he Tom? I mean, it, I yeah. think he's probably mm -hmm. Tom, but he just he his I mean, every paragraph has some at least some ounce of contempt, and it just and when you hear him interviewed, he has contempt for the the interviewer's questions, and he thinks he's funny. I mean, he thinks he says that he's a comic writer, and I, I find that just so so interesting. You know, I, I there are parts of this book that I'll all, and of all of his books that I'll always remember and I think kind of think back to he's just got kind of a funny eye on society a oh funny yeah. take he notices those little nuances that you know the highly sensitive highly literate 
highly observant person notices and he can spin it into some anecdote that just gets right at the heart of this funny thing that we do. But yeah. Like funny odd, not funny haha. And I just don't think he has that much affection for other people. And I think he has a hard time sometimes. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it would be interesting to know how how large his circle is and what his relationships are like. I guess, I mean, he has he has a lot of literary friends, but some of these relationships don't ring true to me. I mean, there's just, it, Clelia, the, the mother of Tom, apologizes at the end of her life to her stepdaughter that she's been terrible to, and she has this total change of heart. I just don't buy it. I don't, I don't think that it feels genuine. And, um, Oh, what, what were some of the others? Andreas, the look on his, the crazy look on his face in the hotel room that she catches a glimpse of, you know, in this, this bizarre kind of um, two-part personality. I just, it doesn't, it doesn't ring true. So, um, on Andreas? Was that on Andreas? Yeah, that was Andreas when she just saw that glimpse. There was a glimpse of the look on his face <laughs> as they're in the hotel room. He had that, like a wolf-like look. I, didn't, I don't buy that. I don't buy that Andreas is attracted to Pip. That didn't ever seem real to me, that he's so hung up on her. Um, I, just, I, I think that parts, parts of the interpersonal stuff seem forced to me. Huh. He's really good at the social criticism and setting the scene and, and commenting on weird things that people do. But when it comes to actually like building the relationship, uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't always hold up for me. And I don't know if the roots of that are in misogyny or just general contempt, but um, to me, it, I feel like there's, there's something missing there. I guess you can say too that, so I, I don't know that I, uh, I don't know that I completely agree. I mean, I like I liked some of these characters. I thought they were, I thought there were parts of them that were funny, haha. But I also thought that there were some that were, um, you know, just interesting send-ups of people that you do meet, and that there were characteristics of um, certain. Like I thought the Andreas character was was great because I think he was trying to do a little satire, obviously, mm -hmm. of this Julian Assange yes. character from WikiLeaks, and I think how he imagined this. I mean, like, if you think he's writing Assange, I mean, that is kind of funny to think that this is how Franzen dreamed up how this kook is, who's, you know, I shouldn't call him a kook because he's probably going to read my email now, but, <laughs> the, I mean, the, the, I, I think that he, you're right exactly that he has a good eye on things, but I, I didn't particularly, um, I don't find him as, as objectionable as maybe you, you both do, but I do think, to your point, is that if there are a lot of people who do find these characters objectionable and their relationships to be not real or not of this moment, that what happens in 70 years when people are still reading Franzen? Because they will be, because he obviously has this huge outsized impact on literature right now, right? I mean, he writes these big American novels and he's all over the news and if you're writing a paper on literature in the early part of the mm -hmm. 21st century, how do you not write about Franzen? So right. are people 100 years from now gonna be reading this thinking that this is how they were at the turn of the century? And that's a little frightening, right? Especially if so many people find it to be not at all true. I don't know, I, just, I guess I just have very mixed feelings about this book. I, I would not say that, um, I, would, you know, I wouldn't say that I hate it, and I, don't even, I wouldn't even say that I find um, the Andreas character objectionable, I find parts of, you know, 
parts of like thing like events that happen with these relationships that he needs to have happen for the plot to move forward. I find I found myself getting stuck there sometimes. I I thought the, reading about Andreas's compound in South America or Central America was fascinating. And like the portrait of the scene is fascinating. I loved the whole Anna Gret storyline with um, when she goes to the group house and is like trying to connect with Pip. Yeah. And I mean, just such great portraits, such great scenes. But then, you know, then he'll have to have, he'll have to make some connection or have, have some plot point. Um, I don't know, like Layla, like Layla hating Pip or something. I just it, there would be parts that just don't don't feel feel real. So I've recommended this, you know, that other people check this book out because it is so interesting. But I don't know, um, I don't know that I would reread it. Would Do you reread it, Paula? D definitely not. Definitely. Really? I would absolutely not reread this book. No, no. I mean, would I, it make I, I so you you this is your first friend? Would it make you want to go try another Franzen book? Though? No, I, I don't I don't think so. I mean, I um, you know I thought it was a fine book. Um, I didn't love it, um, and I think that. Did you get a chuckle? Was it? I mean. Oh sure. I mean, you know, there, it's interesting. He's obviously a good storyteller, um, but uh, the I think the deficiencies that you know that that Abby has outlined and that you know that I've kind of talked about would keep me from reading other um, other books unless you know something came along that. Like Gloria Steinem recommended, maybe then. Wow. Maybe then I would I, give him another so chance. I, I mean, I, look, this is dangerous territory. I'm the only guy in the room here um, with two of the smartest women that I know in Cincinnati. And, and so we Be were careful, gonna, careful, careful, tread lightly here, Brendan. Um, I mean, do, are, there, are there men authors who do a really good job writing women? Or is he venturing into this territory where he, he, like no matter what he does, he's gonna get smacked. I, I, I'm, I'm, I can tell I'm aggravating probably you and any listener who's, I mean, no, I think, who would we point to like? Well, here are things like we don't even remark upon it for most male authors. Like you don't, you don't find yourself, you know, in book discussions about other male authors and their misogyny all the time. I mean, there's a reason that when you Google Jonathan Franzen, Google autofills misogyny, you know, or, <laughs> Does it really? or feminist oh, critique God. or yes, whatever. Feminist you know, I mean, yes. it, uh, it, there's a reason. You know, you think of even somebody like. Do you, you think know, it's because he gives like terrible interviews and is, does he come does off give, like an he asshole? He obviously gives terrible interviews. Do you think it was because he offended Oprah? I well, think it all goes back to pissing they? off Oprah. I think Oprah has very little to do with it. Okay. But I, I, what would you say? What was the point where you really, where your um, feminist antenna were really, um, really buzzing? It, Paula? it was really around Annabelle, I think, mm -hmm. because um, the, I, I mean, Layla too, right? So it was like Layla, Layla and Pip start off with this kind of mentoring relationship, and then as the relationship you know, is progressing. I mean, she's like developing real affection for this girl. And, and then, you know, she, Pip is going to move into their place with them. I think where, where it turns into this kind of, um, where she says like, you know, is it me? Um, she compares like, she compares it to, she compares Pip to her younger self, right? And she says, um, are my feelings about Pip, these jealous feelings, really the way I would feel about my younger self? Um, and I think that is, that really, 
that really bothered me a lot because I don't I don't think that we um, ever see men portrayed in that way, you know, in kind of um, with with regrets um, around you know transgressions of their youth and then kind of converting all of that into jealousy, um, you know, with a with a younger man that they're faced with kind of mm. as a rival. Mm. I mean, I don't I don't see that happening. Mm -hmm. I can't think of an example. And then I, you know, I, I feel like the Annabelle character with, um, you know, she's portrayed as this as this militant feminist, right? She's like, um, but uh, so so yes, I, I do think that that he makes her seem like she's obviously a little off, right? There's they're like maybe crazy, maybe just young um, and different. But her, the, you know, the making him sit on the toilets to um, urinate, right? Yes, that was, that was the subject of, that was in multiple reviews of read at this book. Like that offended, I think, the, uh, so many people read the book and were like, that's just preposterous that he would put that in there that, and the story is, is that when you're reading about Tom and Animal's, Annabelle's relationship, mm -hmm. which is the, the, the um, I don't know, that's probably the de deepest relationship in the, in the novel. Mm -hmm. He, she is um, so... Uh, controlling. Controlling yeah, and dependent. Yeah. Like she's controlling and codependent, yeah. which yeah. is a really point, weird... Yeah, that he's written her that way. Yes, a really weird... She, so she makes him sit on the toilet to go to the bathroom because she doesn't like the noise or... No, because well, she doesn't think it's fair. Oh, yes, that he has to, oh, yeah. That he gets to stand. And then it's also the cleaning thing, though. There's some cleaning piece of it, too, right? She she wants the, the bathroom very clean, and then he retaliates by peeing in the sink and not telling her, doesn't he? Yeah. he that's true. Yeah. He does do that. Yeah. He right. does do that. Which I am sure no man And so you guys, done, so that right? made you mad. No, I think it just, I, well, uh, that may make you mad. I think it's just preposterous. I just don't think that women really do that. I, I think that that is so far-fetched and it shows kind of a lack. I I, I'm just looping back, I guess, to what I said before. I just feel like it shows like kind of a lack of the, uh, of emotional intelligence or the knowledge of how pe real people are in real relationships. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I think that um, making her such a, a wild character where she's, you know, super rich but really embarrassed about her wealth, where she has all these contradictions that are really not explained. There, there really is no good reason. And that's why I think I went after, I, that's why I think I ascribed some level of mental illness to her, which I guess is dangerous in this conversation because if some people assume that she's just written badly for a that he doesn't write women well and that he ascribes bad things to, to women and then other people might, be, I'm not the only one who ascribed some mental illness to her. I guess that ends up being a, a fine line there, right? I mean, for readers of this, you mm -hmm. know, is it, does he think all women are this way and does that show a flaw in his Well, and I think he, I think he would say no. I mean, that he, he has, you know, he has a long time female partner and he would say you know that I, I mean he, he's been asked about it in interviews and he would say no it's just this character but I do think Paula's point about a larger pattern is good and I do think that character is just not that strong because of all of these contradictions that aren't explained because of all mm -hmm. this sort of erratic erratic behavior because of that huge transition that's a huge huge shift from living um, as she did on the east coast and her codependent 
but controlling behavior and then moving to the moving to the west coast and assuming a new identity and then having that the relationship that she did with her daughter yeah. i could see her i don't i it's you so funny i mean like i i love this part of the conversation because we came at this and we got this right. completely different i think it's more than just gender right in, in terms of how we read it but i i mean i could see her i thought she was a very alive character i think she's a character that i will remember for a very long time and as she kind of got as she got um, worse, I guess, yeah. through, through the, uh -huh. the Tom section, um, you could almost see it develop. I mean, I just thought it was, I thought the way he did that was, was um, I mean, he, that's, like you said, Paul, he's a great storyteller. And what, at what these point characters, although they may be kind of um, like o overdone, it's like an, an artist who has mm -hmm. to, you know, you paint more more detail, or you do it in such an outrageous way because you want people to remember it. <laughs> so right? finally, it's like the character it's like on Rococo, a television. You know, it's like what? It's Baroque, or, right. or you know, <laughs> this, it's so there's so much guilt on this. Yeah. G I L T. G I yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe G U I. -L -T. And I think that so there was one other piece of the book that I liked and that um, I thought was so funny. I I love it when an author does this when he kind of winks at a reader uh -huh. or she winks at a reader <laughs> uh -huh. and there's a couple of points in the book where he does mm -hmm. it like one time they're talking about novels and yes. they talk about these like grand huge really long novels which all of Franzen's books are I mean this is 580 pages which mm -hmm. is long for a book um, and then there's this other part which is like spot on where they make some reference to the amount of Jonathan's yeah. on the New York Times right. bestseller list. Right. He's clearly mocking himself. I mean, like right. there's some, which which led me to like you know the sign of a I think a uh, well well grounded and um, emotionally stable person is that they have some level of self deprecation and then they can make fun of themselves. And I, he did that in the book, and I thought that was like a little signal to readers. Like, I know you're gonna write a whole bunch of crazy stuff about me when I put this book out, but I just want you to know I'm in on part of the gag at least. Right. I thought that, that part of it rang true. I thought that was a funny character, Layla's husband. The, Charles, the, the, yeah, yeah, the the professor, right? Mm -hmm. Who yes. makes who makes that He's comment the one who does, about yes, the thank Jonathan. You for the name. I thought I thought that was really really funny, um, and uh, the the whole Layla. What was up with the Layla storyline where she went to Texas to explore the nuclear warhead story? And wh why? Why did we learn so much about the people that she met? See, in Texas, and I just, yeah, that, that, that was story a, that, was planted, right, by Andreas. That was like a, a the photo and everything was Pip's way in. But we, why did we meet the people in Texas? I felt like he wrote that yeah, like and the really McDonald's got attached. Yeah, like the drive-thru. Yeah, he wrote that and then maybe got attached to it and couldn't cut it or the editor got tired or I don't, I don't know. I mean, it just it seemed support. I think he all he does have some strands that he you know there's so many parallels in this book and in freedom like there's this constant talk about birds you know like that's obviously a theme the nuclear stuff's a theme the clean energy stuff reappears in this book again and so I feel like he has these like push points that he's interested in and that you know probably Maybe it's right what you know. I mean, he writes articles about birds and gets them published in the New York Times. I mean, I guess if you're Jonathan Franzen, you can get anything published, but he, he, that's seemingly what the kind of things that he's interested in. But you're right, it didn't, some of it didn't feel like it was perfectly placed in the novel. 
The other thing I thought that was just tonally strange in this book were the sex scenes. Just to <laughs> say, I mean, they were there were some bizarre sex scenes in this in this novel, and I. I, I, I wasn't sure that he was writing them. It just, I, I just felt like maybe this is a guy who doesn't have a whole ton of experience or <laughs> what. I mean, like, this just didn't seem, like, completely normal. Am I wrong there? It was all, I, I think you're right. What do you think, Paul? I agree. I, I thought that they were um, very strange. I mean, it some was... of it was almost, like, like fantasy-type stuff that that is not fantasy I mean like there's a little perversion in some of these sex well, scenes the right whole, um, the whole piece about Andres's time in the church basement in the teenager oh, yeah see yes I mean that was just, just flat out too weird. much yeah and then also like Andreas has this sort of strange fetish or preoccupation with those young girls with those young girls but also, like, he wants them to do certain things, right? It's been a couple weeks since I finished it. But it's, it, he wants them to do, he wants it to go down a certain path and has this pattern, you know. Yeah. He has a pattern. In, but it didn't really, I, I, I found myself wondering, like, are there people who, who prefer that? Like, it just didn't seem totally oh God. authentic. You know, I don't know if this thing's, this maybe isn't, isn't 12th story. Yeah, I know. Now we're getting into confessional stuff about what we think. <laughs> hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just felt like some of those, th I mean, he was obviously trying to be provocative with them, right? Right. I did think that his, his depiction of Pip and her boyfriend at the end um, and how like excited they were to see each other and how they like they run off and they leave Tom and Annabelle like that one to me was funny like I thought that that is like being you know 24 or whatever she is at that point millennial happy ever millennial, after yes but then when they when they returned and Tom and Annabelle are still fighting I, I was surprised that that was that that was the end of the book did you feel like you were satisfied with with the ending I or? I I um you know, I, I do think that ta the ending takes us back to your comment about how he has contempt for his characters because um, he really has utter contempt for Annabelle. It's as if she cannot um, be in a room with Tom without fighting, right? And and I, I think that you would have expected that there was some growth that occurred, um, particularly on her end, right? Because she's been isolated for so long. Um, and so I thought the ending was very disappointing. I, I liked the, uh, her, Pip, and the, the guy that she met who was in the coffee shop mm -hmm. or whatever, getting back together. I did find it silly, like kind of almost too cute by half maybe. Mm -hmm. I mean, like she bumps into this guy when she gets back, and then right. he, she breaks him up with her, you know. She does kind of get him to break up with his his existing girlfriend. That's how work. Uh, oh, oh, That's oh, age. Come I on. guess so. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> she, so she does that, and then, um, but when you compare it to when their first interaction at the first part of the book, where she leaves him upstairs in the attic all by himself to go down and talk to Annegret, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and then, like, he is texting his friend, calling her mm -hmm. crazy. That that was that was hard for me to square the beginning of the novel with him, right. and then the end of the right. novel with him. Right, that she would even be open. It was a to little too to like. Him anymore. She was like a little too. Um, 
like I was kind of imagining her like as a Zoe Deschanel character. Is that how you say her name? Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I mean, like I was kind of imagining her in that. Um, that's who I was imagining in those oh, two when you scenes. Picture Pip. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't have a good. At picture, the beginning and the end. A good mental. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Who knows? Did and you like the ending? It was, I, like I, I mean, I think I thought that. I liked the way he brought it all back together and connected everybody's stories back. Um, I didn't like the end with Andreas. I thought that was a little weak. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, he didn't go. He went off the side of a cliff. Right. And it was a little bizarre. Um, so I mean, it's okay. But I mean, I enjoyed this book. I devoured it. I read it in like you know, three days over a weekend. And you know, I guess that's what a, sometimes a good book is is good for that. I mean, I know Abby, you're reading something right now that is paining you to get through, and uh, listeners can tune into the next podcast to hear about that. Um, I'm reading something right now that is, you know, I'm having the same feeling about um, uh, purity is, um, uh, and I'm just I can't wait to get home and read more of it. And so, um, that? City on Fire by, which is like the. Um, Speaking of big books, it's like 900 pages long. Um, but it's about a fiction book by Garth Risk Hallberg about New York in the 70s. Um, mm. Great story so oh, far. Just grabs you right away. Mm. And um, I, I mean, he's he's obviously a, a writer who is generating the same kind of attention that Franzen did when his book dropped, um, despite the fact that this is Hallberg's first book. But mm. so anyway, along those lines, we usually close. We try to close these things out once in a while. Um, it, uh, before, before, uh, with some recommendations. Before we do that, real quick, round robin. Would you recommend purity to other people? Men sure. only, women sure. only. Sure, I would recommend it. With I would, I would provide a caveat. You know, don't be offended by the misogyny in this book. It is interesting. I think you know. I, I do think. I thought it was an interesting book. I thought it was a quick read. Um, you know, it might make you angry, but it's an interesting book. Sure, sure. It's a you know, it's a it's a page turner. I would recommend it to people who read a lot um, to put it in the mix of the things they're reading. Uh, if I encountered somebody who only mm. reads, you know, a couple of novels, you know, a year, every six months, I would not say that this is this is the one to read. One. <laughs> no, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. I, th I kind of like that. I, I think I might agree with that. Yeah, um, I agree with that too. I think it's fun to read him because you know that sometimes you read a book and you. Um, it's it's nice to have, it's it, this is the kind of book that will generate a conversation and because mm -hmm. there were so many articles about it, it does yeah. make you feel like you read it and then you're part of a broader conversation. Yeah. And so you can talk about some of the themes and you can talk about whether he's controversial. So I, I mean, mm -hmm. I do like reading a book like this because it does kind of open a door to have a conversation about something that a lot of people are talking about. Other books you read and then you're like, I think I might be the only person that read this book. Right. That's one reason that I like the Mercantile Library, because I can find other people who are reading the book yes, of the moment and be part right. of that, that conversation. I really, I, and this podcast, you can scroll through and decide if there's a book that you care to talk about or care right. to listen to. Right. Absolutely. I'm reading right now um, A Brief History of Seven Killings, which just won the Man Booker Prize, and which we're going to be discussing in, um, in a podcast very soon. Um, and I'm, I've, to be honest, it's a slog, but it is interesting to read something that is part of the cultural conversation yeah. right now. Um, so we'll see if I, I don't know, we'll see if my, I can't, uh, listen, I can't, I, uh, <laughs> like I a mean, I was supposed to participate into that, into that <laughs> podcast, but uh, since I had, I um, 
did not finish that book. I'm anxious to hear the Well, I feel like I have it. a school deadline coming up. <laughs> Paula, what are you reading these days that you really like and you would recommend our listeners? Well, I'm reading Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson, um, which is, uh, Brian Stevenson is a professor at the um, NYU School of Law. Uh, he's a Harvard lawyer and he started the Equal Justice Initiative um, in Alabama, which represented um, a death penalty um, defendants, and uh, it's great. It's a really interesting book. Um, he, there's a great interview with him, um, with Terry Gross on Fresh Air, um, that uh, will sell the book to anybody, I think. Um, I just finished Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff. Um, that is a fantastic book. I really recommend it. It, is, it really is a page turner. I think I got through it in about um, a day and a half. Wow. Um, and um, it, the characters are so fascinating. Um, the story is really, you know, it takes the, um, it tells it from, you know, there's, it's really about a couple and it tells it kind of from each of their perspectives um, and is great. I recommend it. Highly recommend it. Fates and Furies has been name checked several times on this podcast and I know Lauren Groff was just in Cincinnati and uh, maybe coming back again sometime soon. So it's great. It's next on my list after I finish A Brief History. One, one other book that I've enjoyed recently was um, A Road to Character, and it was such a pleasure to see David Brooks at uh, the Niehoff Lecture, the big, the signature event of the Mercantile Library. But um, I would recommend that book to anyone who's looking for, um, oh, you know, sort of a secular examination of great figures throughout history and kind of what we can learn from their lives, um, the moral lessons. Um, that we can learn from their lives. We had a really lively discussion about that here a couple of weeks ago um, during one, our, of the one, largest of the, one of the noontime, yeah. one of the noontime Wednesday discussions. It was a really, it was really lively, and opinions were all over the map on on the book. But most people, I think, really enjoyed it, and I found it just really personally compelling as we think about all of our own life decisions. It was really, it gave me a lot to think about. And I had a lot of underlining in my book. Uh, of course, Abby, you hosted that discussion, which was one of the largest book discussion groups ever at the Mercantile Library. It's the sort of thing that we do here. So um, I encourage you to check out our website and you can read about the other book discussion groups that we have coming up. Um, I read, most recent book I read and finished was, um, go ahead, laugh, but it was called We Don't Need Roads, which was the uh, authorized story of the making of the Back to the Future trilogy. <laughs> As you know, it was recently Back to the Future Day, <laughs> and so I uh, plowed through a 200-page book oh, about wonderful. how Back to the Future was made, and it was fantastic. I quite enjoyed it. It's a movie that made a lot of difference in my uh, growing up, and uh, great stories in there, um, including, I didn't know this, but Michael J. Fox was not the original Marty McFly. Really? Yes. Uh, Eric Stoltz, who was the character in, who played in Mask, the sure. movie Mask, was the original Marty McFly, and they filmed for six weeks with Eric Stoltz and decided that he didn't, he wasn't making the movie, so they had to start over, basically. Wow. Which is a remarkable story from a, you know, A, a business decision. I mean, yes. think about what you've done, but you know it's not gonna, you know it's not working, and sometimes you just have to make the decision. Um, but also just kind of the artistic understanding that he was not the right fit for what the writers were envisioning for the character. Anyway. Watch Back to the Future. Schools. It was quite good. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, uh, thank you for joining us today on the 12th story. Uh, we encourage you to subscribe uh, via your preferred podcast app. 
We're available on the iTunes Store and on SoundCloud. And if you like listening, please tell your friends or tweet to us at Mercantile Lib. Uh, today's podcast was directed and engineered by Chris Messick of the Mercantile Library. Special thanks to our guests, Abby Moran and Paula Boggs-Muthing. The 12th Story is a production of the Mercantile Library in downtown Cincinnati. Our theme music was created by Doug McDermott. Don't forget to visit us online where you can learn about our library and our upcoming events. Have a great week. Thank you.